Hey, this morning we're continuing our series in the book of Luke called Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And uh, we're going through this book verse by verse. And last week we gave you some homework to read through chapter one every single day. And for the next two weeks, I'm going to ask you every single day just to read chapter two. And uh, we've been talking about some major themes through the book of Luke. One is the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God has come because Jesus has come. And we've been talking about this major theme of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit Spirit is working and moving in the lives of his people. And then there's this other major, major theme that Luke brings out, and it's where God is looking out for the downtrodden, and God is looking out for the lonely, and God is looking out for the poor and the outcast of society and the lowly, and he's looking out for all of those who may be rejected. Last week, we, uh, we were talking about Mary and her song, and in spite of everything that she's going through, she kind of bursts out into song, and that song is known as the Magnificat, the Magnificat. And, and in her song, it's just, it is peppered with all of this Old Testament scripture. Over 15 times, she is quoting the Old Testament. And she knows that having Jesus inside of her is going to cause some problems. And having Jesus grow inside of her is going to cause some disruption. And having Jesus inside of her is going to make her the outcast of society. And in spite of all of that, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And our challenge that we took was simply this, in the midst of of our problems, right? When, when people ostracize us because we follow this Jesus, we ought to magnify the Lord. If we would just worship the Lord and make his name big, then our problems will become small. If we would just crack open our Bibles and begin to pray Scripture, the way that Mary is praying scripture, that in our times of distress and in our times of need, in our times of pain, in our times of confusion, all of our confidence would be in a great big God, a God who is able to lead you to still waters and a God who is able to provide for your every single need, a God who is able to heal all of your sicknesses and a God who's able to forgive every one of your sins. See, when we begin to magnify the name of the Lord, we're, we're saying that there is no one and there is nothing that is bigger than our God. When we magnify the name of the Lord, no matter what our problem is, no matter what our situation is, we're declaring that there is nothing too difficult for our God. So if you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me back to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 57 through 80, Luke chapter 1, 57 to 80. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son, and her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. 
And it happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. But his mother answered and said, No, his name should be called John. And they said to her, There's no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they were astonished. And at once his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak in praise of God. And fear came on all those living around them, and all these matters were being talked about in all of the hill country of Judea. All who heard them kept them in mind, saying, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to underline that, that's one of our major themes here. His father was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. We're just going to stop right there for a second. Mary's song and her prayer is called the Magnificat. And now Zacharias is here, and his prayer is actually called the Benedictus, the Benedictus, because of the word that he begins with, and he says, blessed be the Lord. But it's, it's actually a benediction. And just like Mary's prayer was peppered with Scripture, so is Zacharias's prayer. You know, when we began the Gospel of Luke, it was... Zacharias's turn to go into the temple and to burn incense. And when he was in the temple and when he was burning incense, there was that angel that came and appeared to him. He was met by the angel Gabriel who says, hey, listen, your wife is going to have a baby and you need to call him John. Be but because of their age, Zacharias doesn't believe the angel, right? And he says, Come on, how is that even possible? We're so old, there's no way. And the angel shuts his mouth and makes him mute in the temple. And so now he comes out of the temple. The people, they're all waiting for him to come out from burning the incense. And uh, what he was supposed to do is he was supposed to come out of that temple and he was supposed to give the benediction. See, there was this priestly benediction that he's supposed to give and uh, it comes from the book of Numbers that says, May the Lord bless you and keep you and shine his face on you and give you peace. But he can't speak. And so he comes out and he says, And for nine months he can't speak. And, and now Elizabeth gives birth. And the, when the people say, hey, what should we call him? He says, he writes down, his name is John, and immediately his muteness is healed. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he goes into this fresh word of blessing. He goes into his benediction nine months later from leaving the temple. And here it is, starting in verse 68. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Blessed be the Lord God of of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from long ago. We'll just pause right there again. 
Zacharias is saying, hey, remember all of those prophets from the past. All of them, in some way, shape, or form, they were all speaking about the coming of the Messiah. Someone who was going to come and save Israel. This would be uh, the king who was going to sit on David's throne forever. And he was going to establish his kingdom on David's throne. And now that same Messiah that all of those prophets talked about in the past, this is the time that we've been waiting for. Like, this is the time. Our redemption has come now. All of those Old Testament prophecies, they were coming true. And Zacharias, who can't speak, he writes down on the tablet. He says, hey, call him John. Immediately he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now he can speak. And now he begins to prophesy himself. And he says, the Savior is here. The Savior has come to redeem his people. So blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord because he has fulfilled his words. He has fulfilled all of those things that all of the prophets have been talking about in the past. The Savior is here and the Savior is coming to redeem his people. Zechariah says, let me, let me tell you a little bit about this Messiah. He is no weak Savior. He is no weak leader. He is no weak Messiah. He's, it says that God has raised up a horn in the house of David. God has raised up a horn. The horn was this symbol of strength. It's this military symbol that's used to, to and, and it's, it has this image of war all around it. And what he's saying is the one from David's house will be a powerful one. The Messiah who is coming, he's no weak savior. The one who is coming is a strong savior. In fact, the Savior is coming to fight for you, and this Jesus is coming to fight for you. And I want to let you know this morning, whatever you are dealing with, understand that there is nothing too powerful that Jesus cannot overcome. There is no sickness that Jesus cannot heal. There is no problem that this Jesus cannot solve. There is no enemy that this Jesus cannot defeat. And there is no sin that this Jesus cannot cleanse. This Jesus who we talk about, this Jesus who we worship, he is no weak Savior and he is still able to fight for you. Verse 71. And this Savior will bring salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to, to Abraham our father, to grant us that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And now Zacharias speaks to his son John. And he says this in verse 76. He says, And you, child, 
will be called the prophet of the Most High. And you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. He says, you'll go on before people, and you're going to let them know about this Jesus. You're going to let them know about this Savior. You're going to let them know about this Messiah, you're going to let them know of the knowledge of salvation that comes by the redemption of sins. You're going to let them know that there is somebody who's coming who's going to forgive all of your sins. He's going to come and you will have the knowledge of salvation by the redemption of your sins. See, the Savior has come because Jesus has come. And Zacharias says to his son, he says, son, you're going to point the way to salvation. And he says, son, you will point the way to Jesus. He says, son, you will tell people that the payment for your sins will be canceled out because of Jesus. You will tell people that redemption comes with Jesus. You will tell people that forgiveness for your mistakes will come with Jesus. And now pay, pay real close attention here. Zacharias, he says a lot in the next two verses here. Verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, which the sunrise from heaven will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's kind of deep. It, guys, if you, could, if you have a Bible, would you, would you quickly turn in your Bible to the last chapter of Malachi? And if you have your phone, you could just go to Malachi chapter 4. Chapter four. And some of you, if you, if you have, a, have a Bible like mine, there's this one page between Malachi 4 and Matthew chapter 1, and, and it's just this header that says the New Testament. So once you're there, just take that page really quickly and, and just, just flip it. Just turn it. So just turn from Malachi to Matthew chapter 1. So, or if you have your phone, you can just swipe from Malachi 4 to swipe right. Malachi 4 to Matthew. So there's something pretty amazing when you do this, Right? When you turn over that page, you're turning over 400 years. You, you, you turn over 400 years of silence. It, and Zacharias knows what it's like to be silent for some time. This is 400 years where God did not speak through the prophets. And so it's 400 years of silence, 400 more years of waiting for a Savior to deliver his people in Israel. 400 years of darkness. And Zacharias is saying, it's been dark for a long time. There's a lot of people who are just sitting in darkness. A lot of people who are on their way to death because they continue to mess up in their lives by falling for the temptations 
of the enemy of our souls. But now, with the Messiah coming onto the scene, now with Jesus coming onto the scene, it's like when the night's been so dark for so long, with Jesus, the sun is rising. And with Jesus, the sun is rising in the midst of the darkness. And when the sun rises, the darkness begins to scatter. And those living in darkness and those who are on that path towards death, they can be led to a place of life. When the sun begins to rise, all of those who are on the pathway to destruction, all of those who are on the path to death, they will be led to peace because of Jesus. Verse 80, and the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit, and he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance in Israel. We'll get into more of that in the weeks to come. I'm going to ask Tim to come up as we begin to close this morning. Zacharias says, blessed be the Lord because the Messiah is here. And the Messiah, this Savior, he comes in strength and he comes like the morning sun scattering the darkness. And with the coming of the Messiah, redemption is here. Redemption is here. You know, in Scripture... Redeem means to buy out. In the Old Testament, a creditor can come and take your field if you owed him some money. But your family can pool their funds together and they could redeem or they can buy back that property. In the New Testament, they would use the word redeem when somebody purchased the freedom of a slave. If you were a slave, there would be a price for your freedom. That was the ransom price that was on your head. And, and someone could come along and they can pay your ransom and they could buy you your freedom. That person would be your redeemer because they paid for your redemption and they bought your freedom. Zacharias says, Blessed be the Lord, for redemption has come. And my son will point to Jesus, the Redeemer. You might be here this morning asking, I mean, what did Jesus really redeem us from? The Bible says that God has these really high standards and we all fall short of those standards. We, we, we don't meet those standards that he has. And when you and I mess up, because we all mess up in our lives, there's a price to pay for that. There's a ransom for your freedom. And that price is death. And it is complete separation from God. What the Bible tells us is that God so loved you 
And God so loved me, he didn't want you separated from him. And he wanted to do something about this problem because the price had to be paid. And so this Jesus, he comes down to pay your ransom. And he goes through humiliation for you. And he goes through rejection for you. And he goes to that whipping post for you. And he would go to that cross where he was brutally crucified. And he sheds his blood to redeem you, to purchase your freedom. And there's this old song that says, Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. And I'm wondering this morning, do we have anyone here today who knows about this redemption? I mean, I mean like how many of you know that you have been bought with a price this morning? How many of you know that you have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ this morning? Come on, let the redeemed of the Lord say so this morning. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Bless the name of the Lord this morning. But I I have to ask you, are you living your life as grateful followers of Jesus for that redemption? Like, are we living as though we have been bought by Jesus? Are we living as though his cost was worth it? Are we living as though now we we belong to him? You know, in order for redemption to happen, there's this transaction that has to happen. And this is the most lopsided transaction in all of history. Jesus is willing to take our place on death row. He's willing to pay our ransom. And in exchange, he takes our pain. And he takes our hurts. And he takes our loneliness and our suffering and our guilt and our shame. And he takes our sin upon himself. And all we have to do is ask him for forgiveness And turn from our sin and begin living for him. And we get rewarded. And we get rewarded with freedom and peace and joy. And with this ability to have this friendship with Jesus. And we get rewarded with this full life. And this life that's full of purpose and meaning, and we get rewarded by being part of the family of God. Most lopsided transaction ever. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask our prayer team if you would come forward. Just with your eyes closed and your heads bowed today, I want to ask you, do you know the Redeemer this morning? Just with every eye closed here, do you know the Redeemer today? I mean, have you, have you made that transaction in your life, I mean, giving him your sin for his freedom? 
and maybe this morning you've strayed away from the Savior, and this is your time to come back to Him. And this morning, if you're saying, I'd like my mistakes forgiven, I'd like purpose for living, I want to invite you to pray this prayer in your heart. You don't need to pray this out loud, just in your heart. And you can just say, dear Jesus, I don't understand all of this. But as much as I know how, I open my life to you. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Jesus, I need new hope. And I need new direction. And I need new strength. And Jesus, I need you. Would you forgive me for all of my wrongdoings? Forgive me for looking in all the wrong places. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for paying my ransom on that cross. Today I say, come into my life. Make me a new person. I want to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, we're going to continue with worshiping the Redeemer. And I'm going to ask that you just join us in some worship. And today, if you prayed that prayer in your heart, we want to ask that you would come forward. And one of our prayer team members would love to pray with you, especially if you're praying this for the first time. And if you need a healing, we want to believe the Lord for a healing in your life. God bless you this morning.